course. Um, I was shouting too much for the USA soccer team. I am a huge soccer fan, and I'm still hoarse. Uh, that happened, what, it was on Sunday night or something? We were watching the game, and I was screaming at the TV. I'm probably only one of about a million people that's actually screaming at the TV over a soccer match, a women's soccer match, but I was very excited, and as a result of that, I'm hoarse, but I am very excited that they won, and they dominated, and I was very excited about that. That's good stuff. Um, I'm excited that you guys are here. Uh, you know what I think we should do maybe on Sundays? We should play that song. And then all the Wednesday night people will know how to clap, and you don't say anything. And we'll just do it like when it's time, we'll just start clapping. Everybody will be like, hey, what's going on with that? Be like, you need to come on Wednesday nights. Then you would know. Then you'd be on the in crowd. Then you would know. So uh, I think we should do that on Sunday. I think that would be a good plan. Okay. All right. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a part of Simple Church. Thank you for coming on a Wednesday night to be here and be a part of what God's doing. And I'm excited about the, the people that are here that they just want to hear from God and that need to be close to God and understand that this is vitally important in our walk with Christ. This is not to be taken lightly. You know, I mean, we talk about how sometimes that, that, that uh, you know, we kind of drift, slowly drift away from Christ. That's, that's something that happens. It's a slow fade, as Casting Crowns calls it. Uh, that happens as you get away from Christ. And, and you know what I think? I, I think that you're a whole lot less likely to fade and slide away from Christ to slip away from your closeness with God if you're a regular attender on Sunday and Wednesday. I really believe that's the truth. Um, if you watch the people that don't come anymore, uh, normally they aren't the people that are here on Sundays and Wednesdays. Uh, they're the, the people that are here on maybe one Sunday a month or two Sundays a month, and before you know it, there's zero Sundays a month, and they're just not here anymore. Uh, the reason we have Wednesday night services it's because you don't really need that as much when you're walking with Christ and you're really close to Christ. It's when you make a commitment to do that week in and week out. And then when things start to happen in your life and you feel that, that, that fade start to happen in your life, God speaks to you on a Wednesday night and he says something. It speaks right to your heart and it draws you back to him. It reminds you you need to repent. You need to turn back towards God. It's not so much for the mountaintops as it is for the valleys. That's why it's so important to make a commitment to being here. So I want to thank you for doing that. I'm probably uh, preaching to the choir, no pun intended, but uh, you guys are here on a Wednesday night. But I just want to encourage you that, that it's a good thing. It really is. Now, am I saying that, that people that don't come on Wednesday nights are going to hell or they're not going to stay in church? No, I'm not saying that. But I'm just saying that there's a, a whole lot more... Uh, a whole lot greater chance that something's going to happen and it's going to uh, allow them to, to slip away and, and to say, yeah, it's not, really, it's not really that important in my life. When Christ is everything, you want to be close to him as often as you can. And I believe that. And that's what Wednesday nights are about. So let me pray and get back to our time of worship. Father, thank you so much for Wednesday nights. God, I know there are a lot of people that don't come on Wednesday nights. God, that's obvious when you look around the room. Uh, Lord, but... We believe that it's an important commitment in our, our faith walk and our time with you. And God, we want to give every opportunity we can, Father, to learn more about you, to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So God, I, I pray that you would impress upon people's hearts, the ones that aren't here, Lord, the, the fact that they need to be here and they need to grow in their relationship with you during the middle of the week, just like they do on Sundays, that, 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 that you are Lord and you reign and you rule in their life every single day of the week. And not just on Sunday mornings. God, I know how easy it can be to slip away. And God, the longer you're away, I know that 
the harder it is to come back and to make yourself come back. But God, this is crucially important in our lives, and I pray that we just remember that. God, we take it to heart. We not take this lightly. God, this would be a, a serious time for us to grow in our relationship with you. Father, thank you so much, God, for tonight and allowing us to worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Father, thank you so much for the fact that death has been defeated. God, that your son Jesus Christ is alive, and because of that, we have reason to celebrate. God, as that's the foundation, the very cornerstone of our faith. And God, I am so thankful that I get to celebrate a risen Savior today. God, it is because of that resurrecting power, God, that we have uh, the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. God, to convict us of things, to correct us, to show us, to encourage us. God, to help us overcome and to help us see our way through this life that we live. God, I know that uh, this life that we exist in, God, is full of fear. It's full of doubt. It's full of struggles. It's full of storms. And God, only through your power can we exist through those. Only through your grace and your mercy can can we persevere. God, we can become more than conquerors because of your power. So, God, I pray in the name of that power right now, that God, that you speak to our hearts, God, and that you change our lives forever. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So, we uh, are still in a series called Miraculous. <clears throat> Tonight, we're going to talk about fear. Uh, anybody ever been afraid? Okay, good. Nobody in here. All right. Well, this is not going to speak to any of you guys. Uh, uh, I appreciate you being open and honest here at Simple Church and the fact that you guys have never been afraid. I'm just kidding. Uh, I know that you've all been afraid. Some of you, if I were to say, hey, instead of me preaching tonight, I'm going to sit down and let you come up here and preach. I think that you very well could experience fear at that point in time, right? Uh, I, I think that statistics tell us that uh, people, <laughs> people fear um, public speaking more than they fear death. Percentages show that people are more afraid of public speaking than they are death. So a double whammy, I guess, would be uh, to preach your own eulogy. Maybe that would be the, uh, the worst of the worst, would be to do both of those. I don't think that's possible. If it is, you're probably not going to be afraid. But just thinking uh, about fear, you know, somebody had told me not long ago, or had asked me not long ago, and they said, they said, do you really get afraid? Do you get nervous is kind of the way they were putting it. And I said, well, I'm trying to remember the last time I was really afraid or I was really nervous. And, and I really thought back and I really tried to struggle to remember, when have you been really afraid? Because for whatever reason, God has just taken my heart and like shaped it and molded it. So I'm not really afraid of being in front of you guys anymore. I don't know why that is. Uh, God changed my heart on that when I first would get up there to speak in front of people and do public speaking. I mean, I was a basket case. I can tell you that uh, I, I was part of an ensemble group thing when I was in high school where we played the trombone. And we, uh, I know, band geek, right? So you can chuckle. It's all right. No problem. You can chuckle. Uh, so we had this performance we did at the middle school. And all these little kids, I mean, like fourth, fifth, and sixth graders. And I'm like a junior, senior in high school. And, and we've they, they said that you guys did such a good job at Soul and Ensemble. Why don't you do that trombone quartet at, at, uh, at the middle school at our little performance there? And we said, okay, we can do that. You know, we got this. We're tough guys. No joke. I got up there, and I was playing my trombone, and, and you could see the trombone just shaking in my hands. None of the other three were, were, were bothered by it, but me, little old me, little old Skinny Kenny was over there, and he was shaking like a leaf, you know, and I could not hardly play. I was shaking so bad. I was afraid. I was afraid of being in front of people. And uh, now, for whatever reason, God's just kind of said, it would take that out of you. You're not really going to be afraid of being in front of people. And thankfully, I don't deal with that so much anymore. But the most recent time I can think of being uh, afraid was, and I'm not really afraid of heights. Some of you guys may be afraid of heights. Yeah. 
Um, if you strap me into something or if, or if I'm standing on something that's pretty solid, I'm not really so afraid of heights, but I can remember being at what's called the Summit Plummet at Disney World. And if you go to uh, Blizzard Beach Water Park at Disney World, you can experience it. It's 120 feet. It's like 12 stories high. It's a straight down, straight shot water slide that takes you all the way to the bottom. And like, you're doing like 55 miles an hour by the time you hit the bottom. And, and admittedly, I was a little afraid standing at the top of the summit plummet. Uh, it was a little scary. Thankfully, I did it. The, the time after that that I was probably the most scared is when I saw my father-in-law. Uh, some of you know my father-in-law. He's kind of a big guy. Um, I was immediately after I got to the bottom, I was terribly afraid because I knew that he was coming down next. And uh, I kid you not, uh, when he, he didn't go down the one I went down. He actually went down the one that's lesser of the two. Then it had a couple of heels in it. Mine was straight down. His had a couple of heels in it. I kid you not, the, the thought went through my head. He hit the bottom of the slide. And, and you know how the water is pulled up at the bottom. It's supposed to stop you. It's supposed to slow you down. You're supposed to decrease speed. That did not happen with my father-in-law. Uh, he hydroplaned across the water. I'm talking about skipping. He, th there's there's a, a certain amount of time that you have to stop. My father-in-law, no joke, it ran through my mind. He is not going to stop in that amount of time. I actually, in my mind, this is what happened. The end of the slide is right here, and I'm over here, and I see him start coming down the slide, and he's hydroplaning across the water. I start to get at the end of the slide because in my mind I thought if he comes flying out of the slide, I'll just kind of push him over into the bushes and maybe he'll just kind of land over in the bushes softly and he won't kill himself on the concrete. That really ran through my mind. I went from over here watching him come and I'm like, oh, he's not going to stop. And I thought when he ejects out of the slide, I'll just kind of, there's no way I can catch him. That's out of the question. If, he catch, if I try to catch him, we both did. So I just thought, man, maybe I can just push him over into the bushes and he'll be okay. Thankfully, I don't, I don't know what, because of Disney magic is all I can say. My father-in-law stopped before the end of the slide. It was a beautiful moment because my heart was racing. I think I was more afraid when he went down the slide than when I went down the slide. We both lived. It was a good day. You know, it was a good day at Disney. The, the magic continued because Mussy lived and I lived and I didn't have to push him into the weeds or anything. I mean, it was a good day at Disney World that day. But that's the last time I really remember being scared, both for myself and for my father-in-law. Uh, but we have real fears, though, don't we? Like real storms that come into our life and difficult times. And you know what I'm going to talk about tonight. If we're talking about miracles, we're going to be talking about Jesus calming the storm, right? Like everybody knows that story. You've heard it a million times, all that kind of stuff. Well, we got to talk about it. If we're going to talk about the miracles that Jesus performed, we can't skip over Jesus calming the storm. I mean, that's a big one, right? We got like these 37 miracles that Jesus performed in the New Testament. We got to cover that one. We can't just skip right through that one. And this one, for whatever reason, it's, it's heavy on my heart. And people were looking at me when I came in. They're like, are you depressed, sad? Are you angry, in a bad mood? I'm like, no, it's just, this, this is heavy. This is just heavy for me. When I think about storms in life, man, I, I've been through some. I, I, you know, I've got this guy at work. He told me one time, he's like, he's like man, you... You don't ever really get upset at work. Like there's, you know, you have bad days or whatever, but it doesn't really like just rock your world. And I told him, I said, I said, Michael, I, I've, I've been through some bad stuff before and I can tell you that nothing happens at this place that even, pay, it, it all pales in comparison to what I went through in my life. 
some time ago and some storms I experienced, some difficult times and stressful times, times when I lay awake at night and just, I didn't want to eat, I didn't want to sleep, I just wanted to cry and pray and I just didn't want to do anything else. Man, I've been there, I know, I know what storms really look like. And, and, and some people in here, you've been through them or you're going through them or you think that'll never happen to me. I can assure you, everybody in here, you will endure some kind of storm. Every person in here will endure some kind of storm. Uh, and, and tonight, if you don't feel like encouraged to come and pray necessarily at this altar, fine. But let me, let me say this. You might want to come and start praying about the storm you haven't endured yet. Maybe you're not in the middle of one right now, but, but there, there, there is one on the horizon, I can assure you. Unless, unless you pass away sometime in the next 20 minutes after you leave this service, it's very likely that you're going to endure a storm in your life and it's going to be something that's going to rock your world and turn everything upside down. That's reality. It's going to be somebody that you love that passes away unexpectedly. It's going to be a, a, a friend that completely turns their back on you. It's going to be a, a spouse that, that, that just goes away for whatever reason. Something in your life is, is likely to turn your world upside down and there's likely to be a storm in your life somehow, some way. Now, I'm, I'm just telling you the odds are definitely in my favor when I say that. We're going to look at uh, Mark chapter 4 tonight as Jesus calms a storm. Look at where he was, what he was doing, why this had to happen, what was the purpose, all of that kind of stuff that we've been talking about as we talk about the miracles of Jesus. What was the purpose? Do you ever think there's a purpose in our storms? Do you think there's ever, like, like nothing happens outside you know, the sovereign hand of God. Like God's in control of everything. He knows everything that's going to happen. He knows everything that, 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 that is coming our way. So surely there's got to be a purpose to it, right? It, it can't be just for no reason at all. There's got to be a purpose to it. And I can assure you, what I have seen in my life is the storms that I've been through, there was a purpose to them. There was a reason that it had to happen. There was something that I had to learn. There was something I had to experience. There was something that had to change in me. There was something that had to change in the world around me. So there was a storm that had to come. And, and here, this storm that happens in Scripture right here is not an accident. It's not just, just happenstance and it just rolls up and nobody knows about it. I mean, like God knows. He, he knows. Jesus is God and God knows. And here we see in Scripture a storm that rolls up on the disciples and Jesus. And they're, they're at the Sea of Galilee. We'll talk about it in a second. I'm going to read through it and then we're going to go back and we're going to talk about it. Let's do that. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and, began to, and, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him, shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the, wa the wind stopped. And there was a great calm. Then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man, they asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. So we see Jesus. 
He's doing his thing in Galilee, so that's kind of where he hangs out, does most of his stuff. He's in Capernaum, which is like on the, uh, the, the kind of the shores uh, of the, uh, the Sea of Galilee. Excuse me. I can why I'm not blank. The Sea of Galilee. And so he's there, which we said is like a great lake. It's a big lake. We talked about that this past Sunday. And so he says, let's go to the other side. So there, he's there doing his Jesus thing. A lot of times he would get in a boat, just like we talked about, how he would get in a boat so his voice would project and the, the mountains were around, so they would kind of funnel the sound around. They had no PA system. They had no audio. So Jesus had to do what he could to get his voice out there to these tons and tons of people that were listening to him. So Jesus is in a boat once again on the shores. He says, let's go to the other side. Now, we have to ask the question, why does Jesus want to go to the other side of the lake? Why, why does he want to go? Where is it over there? Huh? You get to find out Sunday. You don't get to find out today. Sorry. It's, this is like a soap opera. You got to come back. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. You'll find out why he went to the other side. It wasn't just to get away from the crowds, by the way. There was a, a, a God-ordained purpose behind it. There was a reason why he had to go to the other side. And we're going to talk about it Sunday. You get to stay tuned and come back for more. See, it doesn't just end here. It goes on and on and on like Sunday, Wednesday. Every, it's like that, man. That's what church is like. It keeps going like that. It's really good. Anyway, so Jesus is in the boat. He says, let's go to the other side. And, and look, this ain't, no, this ain't no yacht, all right? This is not made of fiberglass. There's no steel. There's no aluminum structure, nothing like that, okay? Like, this is a rickety little wooden boat that, that somebody had to put together with nails and, and some tar and, like, just stick it together, right? So we have this picture of a nice boat, and, and you're, you're thinking, like, Bass Pro Shop kind of boat. This is not what it is, man. This is wood, and this is a rickety boat, you know, with a little sail sticking up in the middle that they would sail sometimes, and sometimes they would row, you know. Like, this was, this was tough. And it, we got a bunch of sailors here, all right? So these are guys that are kind of used to being on the water, right? So this is, they're like, they can handle this. They can handle a storm. That's not a big deal, right? Not this storm, apparently. Now, apparently, this storm is pretty rough. So these guys, they say, all right, Jesus, we're going to go, and we're going to go to the other side. And what does Jesus do? I love this, right? So what what does Jesus do? He goes to take a nap. He he goes to lay down in the ship. He's got a cushion for his head. He's got this this little pillow there. You know, it's probably got like some kind of bamboo beads in there or something, you know, and he's laying down, and it's nice and soft and comfy. And and he's, he's like just sleeping. Wait a second. I thought he was God. Yes. Wait a second. I thought he was a man. Yes. You mean he's God and a man? Yes. You, you mean he needs sleep? Yes. Do you mean that he could do without sleep? Yes. Here we see the very real side of this man, the fact that he'd been preaching and teaching all day long, and it's just drained him. It's wiped him out. He's been teaching to people on the shores, and, and it's draining to do that. I can speak from experience there. Like if you stand up in front of a bunch of people and you're telling them about the things of God, it sucks the wind out of you. I mean, it literally just drains you and you feel empty and like, oh, you know, like that's the way that I feel on Sunday mornings a lot of time after preaching and like pouring myself out. I just feel emptied. Jesus is a man. Jesus takes a nap. He lays down in the boat and says, I'm going to hang out here. You guys do the sailing for a little bit. We're going to the other side. And these are sailors. Okay, yeah, man, we got that. You take your little nap. Jesus, you do a little thing over here. 
We got the sailing part. We've done this before. We spend all this time on the water day and night. We fish at night. No big deal. We, you go sleep. We, good. we got this. Wrong. They don't got this, apparently. The disciples woke him up because what had happened. See, the, the Sea of Galilee is kind of like in this bowl. It's like really low, and, and, and the warm water would stay down there. And sometimes the, the, the winds, the cold winds would rush down the mountains, and it would like mix with the warm air that's over the water. And it would just like churn it up, right? So, I mean, it would come out of nowhere, and it would just churn up the waters, and it would be... Just foam going everywhere with the waves splashing around and huge, huge waves would appear. And this happens from time to time on the Sea of Galilee. And these guys would have been used to that. These guys spent a lot of time on the water. But this time, something's a little different. Something about these waves ain't just ordinary. Something about these waves are extraordinary and they're really big and they're really scaring the mess out of these guys. Because they start freaking out. They start shouting. Now, understand something about this situation. Jesus has never performed a miracle at this point where he's had control over something in the world. Like, yeah, he's, he's taking care of disease and he's taking care of demons and casting them out and that kind of stuff. But like, as far as controlling the physical earth, he's never really done anything like that. And these guys are like, we got to go to the guy He's our only hope. He's the only one that I know that's got this connection with God that can get us out of this mess. And these guys, their mind is blown, and they start shouting. Can you imagine a sailor that's used to being on seas that are choppy and rough and all this kind of stuff, a sea that they're very familiar with, starts churning so bad that these guys start shouting at Jesus, going, you got to do something. You got to do something, man. We're dying out here. We're perishing. We're, we're, we're going to drown. The boat's filling up with water. Bad things are happening. You ever felt like that in your life? Like bad stuff's happening all around you, like scary stuff, like a storm is brewing, like things around you. It looks like you're going to die. It looks like it's going to crush you and there's no hope. You ever feel like that? Do you ever feel like, like there's no way out of this situation? There's no way that I'm going to be able to per- persevere to the next day because this is the end, man. This is, this is where it all falls apart. This is where everything breaks down. And at the same time, listen to me, listen to me. At the same time when you feel like that, what do you think about God? What do you think about where he is and what he's doing and, and is he listening to you? Does it ever feel like he's asleep? They ever feel like he, he's, he's not really listening to you? He doesn't really know what's going on? It, it feels like he's just being real quiet and real silent, and he's nowhere to be found. And you're like, where are you, man? I'm struggling here. I'm dying. I'm drowning. I'm sinking. Where are you? Why aren't you here? You ever feel like that? You ever feel like, God, I have cried out to you a million times, and I have heard nothing. And you're like, are you asleep somewhere? Do you not see that we're perishing? Do you not see that we're dying? Do you not see that we're at the end of our rope here? You ever feel that way about God? Do you not see, God, what's going on here? That's the way these men were. Shouting at Jesus. Master, Lord, teacher, wake up. Wake up. You got to do something. Jesus woke up. 
You think Jesus knew that a storm was coming? You think Jesus had any idea that the waves were going to be bad that day? You think Jesus had any idea that the cold winds are going to rush down from the mountains and stir up the waters and there's going to be waves breaking all around and the boat was going to be filling up? You think Jesus knew all that? I think that he did. I think that he did. I think he knew every, every aspect of it. You know why? Because he was there when the water was created. He was there when the wood was made to create the boat. He was there when the disciples were knitted together in their mother's womb. He was there because he's God and he knows. And he's there. And in you, in your life, when you think that God doesn't know, he doesn't understand what's going on, he's nowhere to be found, and you think he's just going to let me die here, he's going to let me perish here, this is the end, and he's not even going to be anywhere around, he knows. He knows every single aspect of what's going on in your life. He knows the storm that was going to come. He, he knows what's going to happen on the backside of it. And he knows you're going to be afraid. He knows that you're going to be full of fear and you're going to be full of doubt and your faith is going to be weak. And he knows all of that. He knows every single detail about every single thought that runs through your mind and through your heart. And he knows. So Jesus has a choice here. He, he, he can just look at his disciples and go, look, I'm Jesus. Keep rowing. Keep sailing with the wind. It'll be all right. Now, he could do that. Or he could do what he actually does. He stands up on the bow of the boat. And he just commands the wind. And he commands the waves, and he just says, be still. Be still. I believe that he was talking to more than the waves and the wind and, and, and the water molecules that were just churning that day. I believe he was talking to the hearts of the disciples that were in the boat with him. And he said, be still. There's no need to worry. I'm here with you. It may seem like I'm asleep, and I don't know, but I know. I know exactly what's going on in your heart. I know exactly how afraid you are. I know exactly how weak your faith is. I know. Be still. He rebuked the waves and the winds, but at the same time, he rebuked the fear that was in their hearts. And he was trying to show them I am God. He performed this miracle to show uh, the disciples that day that he was God and he had control not only over demons and power over demons and not only over illness and sickness and those kinds of things and even death, but he also had control over the entire earth and every single thing that happens on the earth. He says, I am God. Be still. Does that not give you peace? Does that not make you say, Oh, wow. I've been so worried. I've been so overwhelmed. My heart's been feeling like it's going to be crushed. And God's in control the whole time. Wow. He speaks to your heart and says, Be still. He says, Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Not only did Jesus speak to the wind and calm the wind, he actually spoke to the water too. Because you can imagine as waves are churning, 
You know, just because the wind stops doesn't mean the waves are going to stop churning. Nope, he had power over the waves too. And they went dead silent, complete still, like glass over top of the lake. Because Jesus, God himself in flesh said, be still. If he has that kind of power over wind and waves, doesn't he have that kind of power over the things that enter into your life? The difficult things that you think, man, this is the end of me. This is, I'm not going to make it past this. This, this is where I'm, I'm at rock bottom and there's not, no way out. And don't you think that if God has that kind of power in that situation, that he has power and control in the situation that you're in in your life? Now, like I said, some of you aren't in that place right now. You're, you're not enduring trials. You're not in the middle of a storm. Your life's not upside down right now, but it will be. And my hope and my prayer is that one day when you're sitting there and tears are pouring down your face and your heart feels like it's going to jump out of your chest because you're so afraid and so scared that you'll remember these words that Jesus looked at the wind and the waves and he said, be still. And when you hear God speak to your heart, you will hear him say, be still. And a calm will wash over you just like it washed over the earth that day. Be still. I can remember when Kenneth was, I've told you guys a million times, and I'll never stop talking about it. When she had her, her first brain surgery, she had to be cut from here to here, and they pulled the skin from her forehead down over her face so that they could remove this part of her skull and remove the brain tumor out. Pretty gross, pretty nasty stuff, right? I can remember sitting there in the waiting room, and we have tons of people around us, family, friends. People are all there crying. And, I mean, we're, we're just, I mean, our hearts are just about to rip out of our chest. I mean, we're just, like, sick. We're so nervous and scared and all that. And I, I go outside the waiting room and I round the corner. And there is a calmness, a stillness that happens in my heart that I cannot describe to you. I cannot put into words what happened to me in that moment. But it was like nothing I've ever experienced in my entire life. And there was a calmness and a stillness that washed over me. And I could not explain it. I, I, I told some people that were there standing. I said, I said, my daughter's back there having her skull removed. And God has put a calmness on my heart right now like I've never experienced in my life. God just simply spoke to my heart and said, be still. Be still. I think Jesus wants, to learn, wants us to learn something in that situation, don't you? You think perhaps Jesus is teaching us to trust him? You think that Jesus is actually teaching us how strong our faith needs to be? You think that Jesus is trying to grow our faith, our trust in him in every single situation? Then maybe the storm wasn't an accident, that maybe it came in so that, so that we could grow deeper in our faith and our relationship with him. I believe that happens all the time. I believe that, that God allows storms in, into our lives so that we can be stronger, so that we can face something even more, even bigger, even more challenging down the road. He's growing our faith so that we can face other challenges way down the road that we can't even see yet. And I believe that's exactly what was going on with the disciples. You see, these disciples, these men that were in, their, in the boat with Jesus that day, they were going to face some challenges later on in life that would pale in comparison to some wind and some rain and some waves. These men would be put in front of people that would say, if you 
keep talking about Jesus, we're going to kill you. If you keep proclaiming this gospel of Jesus Christ, you are going to die. I believe through situations like this, their faith grew, their trust grew. And they said, Jesus is not asleep right now. He is right here with me, and I have nothing to fear. You cannot take my life from me. I have eternal life in a place that is with Jesus Christ, and you cannot take my life from me because he's the one that has power over death, hell, and the grave. And even if you take it away from me here, I will go on to live in eternity with him, and it will be much better than what I have right here. You have no power over me. There is one who has power, and it's the same one who has power over the wind and the waves and my heart, and that is Jesus. And Jesus was preparing these men so that their faith would be stronger, so they would trust in Jesus when their life was on the line later on in life. When they had the chance to either rebuke Jesus or stand and face the cross like Jesus faced, and they said, give me the cross. Give me the cross. Jesus was doing something in their life so that they could face bigger, more challenging things later on down the road. You cannot fathom in your life right now the storms that you think are really big. You cannot fathom what might be down the road, what might be coming at some point in time, and you may have to say, God is preparing me for something like that. God has challenged my heart, and God has, has strengthened my faith. But there's a component. There's a component to this that belongs to us. And that is our trust in him. Our, our trust in him. In the middle of the storm, is Jesus the one that we run to? Or, or do we run around frantically going, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? I think the answer is, when you run to him, when you run to Jesus, that's exactly what he wants. That's exactly what he wants. I got a text message on my way here tonight. Somebody had forwarded me a message. Uh, this, uh, this little girl, her brother, has a brain tumor. We know uh, this family very well. His name's Drew. And I want you to hear this. I want you to hear what it sounds like to have faith and trust in God in the midst of a storm. This is Caitlin. Her brother's name is Drew. He says, hi, I hope you're having a great week. The fact that it starts like that, as you read the text message, the fact that it starts like that is overwhelming. Just wanted to share some news with you. So Drew had an MRI yesterday, and today we found out the results. Just a few minutes ago, we found out that Drew's tumors have grown. We'll be stopping his treatment and looking for something different. We meet with the doctors tomorrow to discuss other options. Sounds desperate, sounds hopeless, doesn't it? I wish I had this kind of faith. This is what she says. 
I'm actually really excited to see what God has planned next for Drew. We are continuing to trust in him. A person can't do that on their own. They can't do it apart from Jesus Christ. You cannot do it on your own. You cannot do it apart from Jesus Christ. Let me pray. Father, thank you. Not as hard as it is to say thank you for storms. God, I do thank you for the storms because it helps me to realize just how good and how gracious and how powerful you are. So God, thank you for storms. God, when we're at our weakest point, God, we put our faith and our trust in you. God, that's when your name is exalted. That's when your glory is shown. And God, I... Something to be excited about. God, I thank you for the testimony of weak people that put their faith and their trust in you and say, God is the answer, and because God is the answer, I have all hope. God, I praise your name. I praise your name for being the good and glorious God that you are, the one who has power over death, hell, and the grave, and the wind, and the rain, and the, the waves. God, you have power over all things, and I fully acknowledge. God, you as Lord and Savior, you as teacher and master, God, that, that you have power over every single thing that we'll face in our lives. I just pray that we'd learn to trust you even more. God, because we know that there may be something around the corner. God, we'll need to grow deeper in our, our faith and our trust in you. And God, I just pray, Lord, I pray that we wouldn't take this, this passage lightly. God, we'd let it settle heavy on our hearts, God, so that we can grow deeper in our relationship with you. You're good and you're glorious, and we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody please stand.